Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? It's becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series. And really for this episode, the uh, CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. We're going to do a little time traveling this week. Uh, and we're doing that because Morgan didn't get to review Supergirl episodes as a full as a full time co-host of Supergirl Radio until the episode World's Finest, which aired in March of 2016. So we're going to be revisiting the first season to get Morgan's thoughts. What did Morgan think about this episode? We have to know. <laughs> Everyone so- is asking. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we'll be discussing season one, episode five, uh, which is titled how does she do it? Question mark. And it's worth noting, I think this is really the most important part of the episode, is that this is the uh, this marks the start of O.G. Kelly's character arc. We missed it the first time around. And so this this time around, as we go back in time and go back through it, I, I, I think we should mention that just to uh, bring everybody up to speed. I thought that was an important uh, that was an important thing I noticed while watching. Um, I was like, oh. OG Kelly, the first, the first shot of OG Kelly. And I was like, (laughs) ah, yes. So her journey begins. (laughs) We know tragically how her journey ends. But this was the, this was the beginning. Uh, OG Kelly begins here. Yeah. The start of her character arc is at work and the end of her character arc as it is at work. (laughs) So really didn't really, uh, you know, get anything substantial with OG Kelly, but man, did she love her job. <laughs> she just loved it. And listen, she was serving us some, uh, some emergency, oh. some professionalism, everything about OG Kelly was amazing in this episode. I was like, how did I miss you the first time? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're watching along with us, we already did an audio commentary series on the OG <laughs> Kelly arc. Um, one, of, one of our, one of our best episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also interviewed the actress, uh, Carly Nakanen. So if you are interested in OG Kelly, more OG Kelly content, we <laughs> like we <laughs> are. <laughs> We love OG Kelly. So I just wanted to mention that because I figured, you know, we get lost in the weeds of like what Supergirl's doing. Uh, and we those get lost in the insubstantial details. <laughs> like about Kara's character arc. And we forget what really was the most important thing that happened. 
<laughs> so I just wanted to mention OG Kelly off the top because I know we were all thinking it. All right. So let's just get straight to it. We're going to uh, do a little rewind back in time and we're going to go back to season one, episode five. <laughs> All right, so here is the official description of how does she do it. Uh, quote, Kara's two identity- identities are stretched thin when Supergirl must protect National City from a series of bombings, and Kara is tasked with babysitting Kat's son, Carter. Also, James is conflicted when his ex-girlfriend, Lucy Lane, seeks to rekindle their relationship, unquote. Uh, in this episode, just want to note that it aired November 23rd, 2015, which makes me feel Oof. extremely old. 2015. So- <laughs> oh boy. Ouch. That, <laughs> that hit me in my age. <laughs> um, do I, I guess that's maybe a good thing to start with. Cause I was thinking about this when I was rewatching the episode. Do you think it has the, the episodes have aged at all since so now that you're looking back at it? That's a good question. I honestly don't feel like they have. I think that you could have told me that that episode went on like last year and I'd be like, yeah, that seems right. I don't feel like now if we ever like decided to dive into, say, another uh, another season, perhaps a more topical season, (laughs) season four, maybe. (laughs) uh, I feel like that would have aged and I feel like season five with all the technology stuff, is going to end up aging quite badly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I feel like that's the first couple seasons of the show have like a little bit more of a timeless quality to them. Like there's, yeah, I, I don't think that I felt like it was like this is a 2015 television show. It felt like it could have, this episode could have come out, you know, recently. And I wouldn't have been surprised. I think you're right about that. There is a timeless quality to it. Supergirl's just dealing with... Uh, Supergirl things, and she's uh, in her personal life with Kara. She's uh, struggling with the will they won't they with James, which is uh, you know pretty evergreen. Uh, that's not something that would date it as as a show. So I think that's that's a good delineation between uh, this season versus some other seasons that maybe you know point it directly to a time period. Uh, and I actually like those. I was I was thinking about how much I really enjoyed. Not having to deal, and maybe this is just me personally, like I like not having to deal with, for Supergirl, for this show, maybe in other iterations of comic book characters, I'm okay with dealing with heavier subjects. But for this show, it seemed to not handle them well. So uh, so I liked it. I, I liked it better when it was just dealing with good guys and bad guys and Supergirl doing Supergirl things. And so I think I think it really succeeded when it was doing those kind you know those kinds of stories and i think season one was setting up the tone of the show uh which in later seasons they would kind of be like what if we were kind of a different show and you're like eh, i don't know it's you're pretty far into it now <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in season one it was like you know this is kind of what the show is going to be about it's going to be about Kara and her challenges as Supergirl and as Cara Danvers. And I think we were really getting the, really getting the feel for it. And I, you know, there were some things that would kind of maybe tie it to a time period. It's very much the, uh, how does she do it? Like, 
Can you be a lady in business and can, a mother? Can you have it all? But the problem is I feel like like that stuff is unfortunately incredibly timeless. Like <laughs> there are 30 rock jokes about yes. like uh, Liz Lemon like shoving a sandwich in her mouth and screaming, I can have it all. So <laughs> <laughs> and that show predated this show by yeah. like, you know, five or so years too. So I feel like, you know, in, in 10 years, we're going to be watching sh- some show where it's like a lady, can she have? at all and it's just gonna be like yeah i guess we're still asking that question i think cat uh, uh, even says like are we still asking this question it's like cat forever we shall be <laughs> so do you think that Kara succeeded in having it all in this episode or do you think you think that uh not to spoil anything but do you think she'll she'll ever get there well, I mean, I feel like maybe you could say by the end of the series, she was trying to have it all. She was trying to be both Cara Danvers and Supergirl as one package versus having like the secret identity. Now you could quibble about the, you know, the secret identity wasn't really like, you know, um, it was for her to be able to, you know, protect her friends and her family and her herself, really. But I think from like a metaphorical standpoint, <laughs> like she's like screw my about family it. and friends. You start thinking about it too long. You're like, oh, I feel like that might have been a mistake. Like, good for you for like working through your issues. But uh, there might be some practicalities you might have wanted to consider. But I feel like from like a metaphorical standpoint, like at the end of the series was her going like, I'm going to be the editor of Catco, and I am going to let everybody know that I'm Supergirl, and I'm sure there'll be no conflict of interest situation <laughs> there at all. No consequences for this, gonna, for this action. Gonna be great. And you know what? <laughs> if it's not, guess what? Show's over. Bye. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, in this episode, she obviously struggled to have it all because she was trying to be a good assistant and watch Kat's son, and he ended up on a explodey train, and <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to be uh, a good superhero and then there were two bombs and she's only one person so I mean I think and then she was trying to be both a good friend and also girlfriend material and that didn't go well either so I feel like she really struggled uh, with the dichotomies in this episode but I think I think what the episode was saying is like kind of everyone does and that's really normal and like you need to walk before you run. That was Kat's advice. Like you can't do all the things and be all the things all the time right away. And I think that, you know, we're five episodes into the first season and they're kind of trying to to set the stage of like, this is Supergirl really early in becoming a superhero and she's going to face some struggles and about having to figure out how to be a superhero. And I guess uh, she's not the only character in the episode that deals with that. Uh, now that I'm thinking about that, like James was trying to have it all at Catco and with his friendship with Kara. And then, ooh, lo- you know, Lucy Lane shows up and he doesn't know what to do uh, about her. So he's trying to have it all in a, in a lot of ways, too, because at the end, it seems like uh, James and Lucy have rekindled uh, their relationship. So there's uh, some stuff that James is juggling when, of course, is, uh, you know, trying to have it all because there's still a little hint in this episode that he has feelings for Kara. Um, so there's a and I guess even Maxwell Lord uh, can't seem to have it all because he's trying to make this super fast <laughs> train and um, one of his employees blows it up. 
and then and then spoiler alert he's like it was it was an evil plan that i had but also i didn't want it to mess up my actual train (laughs) he's like i want you to know from the bottom of my heart supergirl that i was trying to test you by using the lives of innocent people but also (laughs) that i love trains He's like, I would have never done anything to hurt Trainsy over there. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think that uh, uh, other characters besides Kara do struggle with it. Kat struggled with it. She she won this big award that uh, she beat Lois Lane for, and her mother wasn't uh, didn't seem to be all that impressed or supportive of her to to watch Carter. So even Kat's struggling to have it all, but. But I think it's really important to dive into that with Supergirl because she is a character who could theoretically, as much as anybody can, be in two places at once. This episode, she could <laughs> not physically be there. But she can she can zoom around and do these things. She can forget to pick up Carter and then fly super fast to go pick him up at school. No problem. She can make that work over the, the, <laughs> the earbud, I guess. But uh, she can do things that other people can't, but even she's still struggles with that. So I think that's uh, something to keep in mind. I saw in the chat that Rachel mentioned, and I think rightly that she says, uh, I feel later on having it all is a problem that shifts to Alex, which mm. I think is true. I think it's true because uh, later on in the series, we get a lot of like, can I be the director of the DEO? First off, period. Can I be? Question mark. The answer, <laughs> the, answer the show gave her was no, uh, but it was, but it was like, can I work at the DEO in this, uh, in this dangerous job and also adopt a baby? And, and ki- yeah, I, I do think that there was a lot of Alex Danvers. Can she have it all? <laughs> uh, which kind of switched from like early seasons where it was like about Kara trying to juggle all the different aspects of her identity. Which seemed inconsistent with Alex because their solution to that problem was, okay, Alex wants to adopt a baby where we'll make her the, you know, director of the DEO. Then she's director of the DEO for not even a season, if I if I remember correctly. And then she goes back into the field and does all these dangerous things and then becomes Sentinel, which is even more dangerous. Uh, so <laughs> I know. At least, at least nominally in the beginning, she was like, you know, it doesn't make sense for me if I want to be a single mother to have, uh, you know, a dangerous job out in the field. So I'll get this desk job as like upper management. <laughs> and then upper management was like, we still don't trust you. We're putting somebody above you. You're still a middle manager. And then, but then like later on in the series, you're right. She's like, you know what is definitely safe uh, for a child situation? Being a vigilante. And then marrying another vigilante. And then, and then, and then she's like, but don't worry, Kelly's the stable one. Kelly's like, I got a secret. I've been thinking, <laughs> I've been workshopping this thing. Honey, do you like it? And, and, and instead of Alex being like, one of us should be like the responsible one. She's like, girl, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is funny that they both ended up as like, I mean, this happens in like superhero stuff all the time. The problem was that they like, drew a line under it and made you think about it It was not so much because like you watch all these superhero shows and it's like mom is doing this and dad is doing that and you're like ooh, like what happens if the villains take you guys both out and there's a backup plan for that but like in this show they had her think like well it's dangerous to do this so i so i shouldn't do it and then like later on she's just like i'm a vigilante now and you're like 
you didn't even want to like be a DEO agent. Like this is <laughs> arguably so much more dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, so all the characters on the show deal with the question of how does she, how do they do it? Uh, can they have it all to some degree? Uh, but I really liked uh, the way it was approached with Kara because I think by the end of the episode, let me know, Morgan, if you disagree, but it seemed like Kara somewhat had it all by the end of it. She had uh, a good time with Carter. They had an epic Nerf gun battle. She had saved Carter from being blown up, which is a big plus because that <laughs> way she didn't get in trouble with Cat. Well, she still got in trouble with Cat, but not to that degree. And then she also um, uh, established uh, some rules for, you know, boundaries with, with James a little bit and, and even helped uh, Lucy out, uh, even though that was not to her benefit. So I thought, uh, <laughs> I thought Kara. Um, ended up reconciling some things that she was struggling with earlier in the episode. Yeah, I, I, I do think that she did manage to do a pretty good job, even though she didn't like do the best. She wasn't the best babysitter because, again, he got on the, the explodey train <laughs> and <laughs> she, you know, she wasn't the best at at her romantic life and she wasn't really the, like she did the best she could as Supergirl. But like, I think we saw her juggle all these aspects of her, her like personality as best as she could. Uh, she was juggling as many jobs as she possibly could do. And some things, yeah, some things fell down. Like maybe she shouldn't have put Wynn in charge of, of Carter and maybe Wynn should have like not just wandered away from a child <laughs> in an office for a long time and then come back and was like, Oh, where did he go? Like, how did Carter get to the train? Like, was that close by or is Carter just really good at navigating the city's like public transportation? <laughs> it could be either option. I was thinking while I was rewatching it, it that Catco is probably downtown near that building and so it was probably within walking distance is my guess uh but i don't know i mean he seems like a smart kid he probably he probably had some money cat probably gives him a, <laughs> an allowance and he he probably figured out the uh, mass transportation so i wouldn't put it past him to to get down there on his own uh, I see that Aaron in the chat says that um, Alex was director of the DEO for a season and a half, seasons uh, four and five. Oh, well, thank you for the correction, Aaron. I did not recall. Maybe it's because I've repressed so much of season five, <laughs> but I did not remember Alex being uh, the director of the DEO in season five. Huh. I feel like I feel like the season four thing is tough because she she was the director and then Colonel Haley, they brought in yeah. for a while, like a long while as like kind of her superior. So she was like, she was the boss kind of, but she right. had a boss. Um, but I think I saw somebody in the chat say that like in season five, she was like back to being the director of the DEO and then she like quit. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. To it, was she? <laughs> I am I'm so having to relive everything in this in this discussion because new Rachel says Haley basically takes over for the rest of season four. Then Alex is in charge again for the first half of season five. And after crisis, Lex is in charge and Alex quits. So Brainy leads the, the D.O. I completely forgot that Brainiac five was the director of the D.O. for some reason. <laughs> I forgot all about that. 
you would be excused for forgetting that because I don't <laughs> think that show really did anything with it. I think the show kind of forgot. And then they were like, ooh, did we want to do something with the DEO next year? And they're like, blow it up. That's <laughs> right. He was in charge and the DEO came down because of Ramakan. That's what happened. That, that scoundrel. That's that's what happened. That well, was before Ramakan went on his Rama retirement. He was like, one last one before I go. <laughs> that solidified Ramakan is a great Supergirl character. So uh, thank you ev- to everybody in the live chat for uh, catching us up on that because I had forgotten. Um, so I guess let's we we talked about um, uh, the explodey train. So I'm curious, <laughs> Morgan, about your thoughts on Maxwell Lord and uh, what he had uh, going on in this episode. You know, uh, watching this episode again, I was like, I feel like this is such a good episode of Supergirl. It's it's kind of like, <laughs> unfortunately, coming off of that last season, which was like less good. Let's put it generously, less good. Um, <laughs> you you forget like how good it was in the first season and like how many things that they were juggling in this episode alone, like storylines and character arcs and like drama um, and to like make everything feel like it really had stakes and was compelling and like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, how is she, how is she going to save this, uh, the airport and how is she going to save the train and uh, what's going to happen with John and and all of these things? Like there were even like some really really small storylines that moved forward in this episode, like um, Kara being a little sp- suspicious of John and like seeing his red his red Martian eyes. That we know now, but at the time it was like, is he evil? Um, and I I just feel like they they did things so well where. Later in the show, it would be like a bunch, a bunch of storylines. Things wouldn't really connect together so much, or there'd be they would connect together really superficially with through like a word. It's like teamwork is the word of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whereas like these storylines really connected together like thematically. So like Kat's trying to do it all, and so is Kara, and so is Jimmy, you know. And um, and you really get a lot of these characters and and to have that episode where so much is going on with all these characters and then really introduce Maxwell Lord in like a real big way in this episode. I think this is his biggest episode so far in terms of introduction. We get his his backstory and some of his motivations for being the way he is. We hear about how he doesn't trust anyone because his family were scientists. Oh, he's, specifically, he doesn't trust the government. He doesn't which, trust the government. Uh, and, and, and Alex works for the government. Uh, and so he talks about how his family were scientists working on some sort of like um, airborne pathogens, it seemed like. And then um, that ended up killing them. And then the government covered it up. Uh, and so I, I really liked getting that backstory on Maxwell Lord and like it to, to have like a nice villain who's got like a compelling backstory who can also like seemingly be like kind of morally gray and then suddenly start chomping some scenery at the end. <laughs> I feel like Maxwell Lord was like just such a good like the first couple seasons had such good villains because season two's villains were also like chef's kiss. Mm. Um, but Maxwell Lord was a great villain. And I like that like that turn that sort of villain turn he does at the end where like you're just starting to be like Maxwell Lord. You know what? I thought that guy was a jerk, but maybe I 
misunderstood him. Uh, maybe he's just like traumatized and sad and too rich and too obsessed <laughs> with trans. And then you get to the end and he's like, actually, I did all of these things to test your speed and your strength and your agility. It's like, Oh, <laughs> I I love that moment of the other shoe dropping. And I love that Kara figured it out, too. Uh, I, th- I feel like in later seasons, they might have underlined the journey she took to figure that out. It might have been like you would have had to see her do something visually or she would have had to like circle a thing and circle another thing or somebody more likely somebody would have had to tell her. Yes, by somebody season, else would have figured it out. Season six, she wasn't doing her own like legwork anymore <laughs> uh but in the like this season you just kind of see her think about it and and then you know in the next scene when she confronts him that she's put things together and i like being able to see a supergirl who is clever as well as like strong yeah i i think that's a really uh good point because in season one Kara is the focal point she doesn't have a, a super friend team as of yet. And it's it's nice to get to see her do things on her own and get to make those connections uh, to things on her own. And I thought uh, your point, uh, Morgan, and also Miss Fiction Fanatic's point, in, a, in addition to that, uh, who says it was nice to see storylines that connected together instead of being dropped with no explanation. I think that's a really good point because they they did things like uh, Supergirl seeing Jean or I guess Hank's eyes to her, <laughs> to her, he would be Hank at that point, but seeing his eyes is, is not, um, it, it's visually done, but it's subtly done. You have to put it together as an audience member to figure out, okay, there's something going on with him and Supergirl's seeing it now. What, it, what is she going to do about that? Um, so I like the way that they're, they're interweaving some of the things, even dropping um, Kat's mother into this episode. That's something that will come into play uh, again in season one. So things like that are really, uh, I hate to say masterfully done uh, for television because there are some really great TV shows out there. But uh, for Supergirl, it's been pretty masterfully done in season one yeah. because uh, because they were able to handle the foreshadowing what was co- to come. And so it, it tells me that they had a really uh, solid plan going into this episode. I just think that season one of of Supergirl, like that show was good at what it was doing. Like it knew what it wanted to be and it was good at what it was doing. And later seasons wouldn't necessarily, uh, I think later seasons would be more up and down in quality. Like there'd be some really great episodes and then there'd be some real clunkers. And season one just seemed to have like a little bit more of a vision, which I mean, I think if you know some of the behind the scenes stuff that was going on on the show, you can kind of see it in the end product of like, there were a lot of behind the scenes shakeups and you could sort of feel that as seasons went along and started feeling like a, a lot different season to season. You're like, Wait, what? Uh, but season one had more of a coherent feel because it didn't have all that like that baggage of previous seasons. So it could kind of just do what it wanted. And and this this episode, I think, in particular, of all the ones that we've watched so far, felt like it was really doing a lot of things at once. It was keeping a lot of balls in the air, but it was doing so in a really entertaining way. I didn't feel like it was overstretching the story at any point in this episode. I was like really into all of the stories it was telling even the dumb romantic ones I didn't care about but I was like you know what this is done like entertainingly so I don't I'm not going to complain about it quite yet but I, <laughs> I I actually see that 
CM Gutierrez had a, a question that I actually also had in uh, the chat. She's, she says, does anyone remember what career Kat's mom had that made her too busy to babysit Carter? It's not mentioned in the episode uh, because I think Kat just says that she uh, prioritized her career over Kat's career. I'm trying to see if I can go back into the notes and see if I can find them. I'm trying to go into the Arrowverse wiki. Uh, but I know uh, Kat's mother does show up, so we'll probably talk about her. I don't, I don't remember which episode it is when okay so Catherine grant all right hang on a second i'm going to uh, the errors wiki let me see um let's see let's see uh she shows up so she's played by a joan juliet buck her first appearance is uh ooh, i think the next episode in red faced is when we will see her so uh, foreshadowing for the next episode is what happened in how did she how does she do it? So it looks like we'll we'll get to um, Catherine Grant uh, with a K here. Uh, we'll we'll get to her in the next episode of Supergirl Radio Rewind. So, uh, but in this episode, it's not mentioned as to what she does for a living. So we'll we'll answer that next time around. We'll try. We'll have to remember that. <laughs> so, um, so Morgan, you mentioned that. Um, there were things that were really entertaining about this episode and things that you thought were really well done. What were, what were some of those things? Uh, did you have any like favorite moments or scenes? I really liked the scenes that she had with, uh, with Carter, Kat's son. I thought that that was, it was really nice to see Supergirl and also Kara interacting with like, I think every time you put Kara or Supergirl with kids, it's always magic. And when she has uh, that scene where she picks him up and she's just like, do they teach you to talk at school? And he started, he starts to break a little bit and laugh at her. I thought that was really cute. Uh, and then the later that the scene uh, where Kat kind of uh, asks, he tells her how cool it was Supergirl saved saved them and how pretty Supergirl is, which is such like a little boy thing to be like. And she was so cute. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, well, what else did you like? Did you notice about her? Did you notice she was smart or that she was uh, like brave? And he was like, oh, she had great legs. And like <laughs> that when Kat realizes that like he's telling a joke and like he's usually kind of a really serious kid and he's like lightened up. I, I thought that that was such a cute moment and tells me so much about their relationship because we don't see a lot of Kat and her son together in this episode. And so they have to kind of establish that mother son relationship like with really quickly with not much, you know, dialogue or screen time. I thought that that really did show me like what their relationship is like and her, her telling him like, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons that Supergirl is great. Not just because she's pretty, it's like, you know, um, why she's valuable. You have to like look, look beyond appearances and, and him, him being a hundred percent on board, but also like needling his mom a little bit felt like something like a boy of that age would totally do. Yeah. And he, he was wide eyed when he saw Supergirl on that train. And I, <laughs> so I thought that, that was, that was really cute. Um, uh, just FYI, Morgan, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, oh no. I'll, I'll, hopefully the, uh, the internet connection will, uh, stay okay, but I just wanted to let you know, just in case, uh, on the off chance there was something that could be fixed about it. But uh, we've um, been having we've been having some like rain actually now, so maybe 
it's probably weather weather related, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So uh, one of the things that I thought was great about that is uh, in terms of Kat and her son is that uh, through their relationship, uh, the audience, uh, I got to see a little softer side of Kat. Kat is very uh, commanding and she's very hard on Kara. But when we see her with Carter, she um, she is really loving towards him. And it, through Kat, uh, no, through Kara and Carter's conversation at the school, uh, Carter tells uh, Kara that his mom was very encouraging and saying that you know even even the nerds can win in the end. So I thought that that was really nice that through uh, through Carter we could see what what Kat was like as a mom that she was a little bit different maybe at home than she was at work trying to trying to have it all. So I thought that that was a nice way to use Carter in the episode. Yeah, I agree. I thought that that was that was really well done. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of my favorite uh, sequences in the episode is the train. I know we're, I know we're talking about Maxwell Lord's train we, quite a bit. His, like Maxwell Lord, we train. just love that train. <laughs> we just love we just love trains. Um, but the super rail is one of the best, in my opinion, Supergirl sequences of the entire show. It does seem a little bit. Uh, the CGI is a little bit dated at this point, just a little bit. Um, but but it's still it's still a great and fantastic sequence. Not only because Supergirl gets to do something only Supergirl can do, which is stop a train just with her <laughs> with her strength. Um, but she also one of the things I think is a, a a really nice small touch in that sequence is that when uh when the guy who has the bomb. Uh, strapped to him when he's by himself he's you know supergirl's used her heat vision and cut off the front part of the train she uses her it, it to me this is how i interpret it she uses her telescopic vision to uh zoom in and see his reaction and see what's happened to him and i thought that that was such a nice touch that she didn't just walk away from that that she cared about that man until you know he was no longer living. So I thought that was a really nice Supergirl moment. So it's cool that she stops the train and does something awesome. But, uh, but that personal touch I thought was always really well done in the first season. Yeah. I like that. She went into the train car with him and tried to like talk him down essentially. And that's also how she figures out through that conversation with him that Maxwell Lord was behind the whole thing, which I think is, is another, is another, demonstration of what makes Supergirl such a strong character is that through those conversations, like personal touch that she has with people, she can like use that information to put things together. If she hadn't tried to stop him from blowing himself up, she would have never known, like put that, put that together that, you know, he Maxwell Lord was essentially using this guy. Yeah, she's Supergirl in that moment because she's got the suit on, but she's being a, a reporter. She's being an investigative reporter in that moment because she's getting information out of him that she wouldn't have otherwise. And then she's using that information to to put the pieces together. So I, I like that. She's she's uh she's a reporter, even though she's not one as of yet. She's still Kat's assistant in season one in, in this episode. Uh, but she she shows some reporter instincts. Uh, as well. Well, um, I'm curious about your thoughts, Morgan, on Lucy Lane's appearance in this episode. So what are your what are your thoughts on the 
the building love triangle. There's many love triangles in season one, but uh, specifically in this episode, there is the Kara, James, Lucy love triangle. So what what are your thoughts on that? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. Had Lucy show popped up in the last episode? I feel like she did, right? She, yeah, I think she uh, showed up at the end. I think so. I don't feel like there was a lot of Lucy in the last one. I think this was like full blown Lucy Lane. Yeah, I think this was like this was the the big Lucy kind of episode that kind of introduced her in. Uh, I, think, I, I think that's right. Yeah, I, I like I liked Lucy uh, in this one and. And I, I thought that they introduced her in here well. We get a little bit about her and James's uh, backstory. We know what she does, that she's a lawyer, like a JAG lawyer. Um, and we, you know, we see like what each of them thinks broke them up, which is interesting that they both had like different perspectives on like why the breakup happened. Uh, it seems like there wasn't like great communication there. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, uh, going back to the, the, the love triangle stuff and like the, the uh, romances in the first seasons always kind of weird because you know how quickly they drop the uh, car and James thing, like a, like a, like the hottest hot potato ever. <laughs> with no lead up or anything so like it does all feel ultimately a little pointless but i mean i do think that they they built up that james and cara romance pretty well they were trying to make the audience really care about it alex talks to her about like you're doing this thing that you always do which is where you just become the shoulder to lean on for people and instead of you know kind of telling people what you want from them. And Cara did try to set some boundaries and then immediately broke those boundaries down with like a <laughs> hacksaw. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like I, I, the, the scene where she and Lucy talk in the restaurant. At first I thought that she had like called Lucy there and I was like, Cara, you are being so weird right now. <laughs> and then I realized, I realized that Lucy had just forgotten something at the restaurant. And I was like, oh, thank God. Cause otherwise that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you need to settle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I thought it was a good introduction to Lucy. It was a little heavy on her relationship stuff with James, but like so far that's the reason she's in the show. Right. So like, it would be, um, but I think it does kind of establish Lucy as, as a, a, like a pretty interesting character in her own right. Yeah, I, looking back into my notes, uh, since we were wondering uh, when she was introduced, it's it's weird because this episode was originally supposed to be episode four, and Livewire I think was supposed to be episode oh. five. So it's actually backwards. So uh, I think we get the the full introduction of Lucy here when it was supposed to be episode four. And then Livewire, which was supposed to be episode five, we find out that James and Lucy uh, went to Ojai for uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> so, so Lucy and James were supposed to get back together and then they were going to go celebrate Thanksgiving together. But because of the terrorists, uh, uh, the terrorist uh, thing that happened in in November, I guess, 2015, whatever that time period was, uh, it got flipped and switched around. So, yeah, so it's a it's a weird time situation there. So, so if you're watching it on Netflix for the first time, you're gonna be like, "What is happening?" 
Uh, but yeah. Oh so this- yeah, I completely forgot that in the last episode they mentioned that they were like at Thanksgiving together because that does like if you think that makes no sense uh, <laughs> at all. Oh man, uh, now I now I want to kind of like go back, like do my own Supergirl radio rewind and listen to the episode that you and like Carly did. Uh, or oh, was this would this would have been Teresa. I don't. I think, think yeah, I think you're right, Car- Teresa. Carly didn't join until like episode fifteen, maybe Solitude. Ah. I think. I, I'd like to listen to you and Teresa talk about this one and be like, or like the last one and be like, wait, they're together already. <laughs> And then the next episode, it's like, should we get we should we get back together? It's like, Anthony, you just went to Ojai for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> what is your what is the trajectory of your relationship? You get help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's really funny. I wonder if it would play. I mean, you could do this now that they're like on Netflix. You could play them in the right order. I wonder how that would play if that would play more logically. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't, because uh, they could, uh, in streaming, they could, re- you know, they could uh, add them in production order if they wanted to. But everywhere I know, it's in airing order. So huh. I, I see Daryl says Netflix has the episodes in the correct order, but. Uh, let me see. That I might don't... just be airing order, not um, not necessarily. I'm going into Netflix they... as we speak. The order that they produced uh, them in. Because I do remember that the last episode we watched was like the Thanksgiving one, right? Am I wrong? What is time? Yeah, in this, uh, Netflix <laughs> has the airing order. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's my that thought. We're doing, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have it as uh, Livewire is episode four and how does she do it as episode five. So uh, Netflix Hegel- is using airing order. Hegel Blast in the chat says they're on the Blu-rays in the right order. So that I'll have to go back and look at that. Fascinating. I wonder. That, that because I wonder how it would feel how it would feel if you some of the storylines, especially like the Jean stuff, which I think was either in episode three, maybe a little bit was like a little bit of a lead up to that. Or like maybe there was some of it in episode. I remember it was in like recent episodes, like maybe three or four where there were some hints that like, what's going on with John. And (laughs) I wonder if that, like that, the, you know, the storyline, the arc of that. It it builds. Yeah. 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 Would make a little bit more sense because in this episode alone, we have, you know, his eyes glowing. And then when the bomb situation, he sends Alex out of the room and he's like, space dad got this and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, deactivates the bomb. And then he's like, Oh, this one was a dud. Uh, the old, this one was a dud trick. Um, <laughs> when it, it wasn't a dud. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely setting up, uh, they're doing like a really careful plotting with the, you know, Jean is actually Martian, you know, is a, or Hank Henshaw is actually Martian Manhunter, Jean Jones, uh, that I feel like they probably were like, oh man, when they had to like change the episode order. Yeah, they do another, I thought, a little bit of foreshadowing in this episode about Martian Manhunter because uh, Hank tells Supergirl that if he were to follow her, she wouldn't even know he was there. 
So I, ah. I, 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 I started thinking about, well, how would Martian Manhunter do that? And my, my only thought was, well, I mean, he could probably do it several ways. He could probably phase through things or he could shapeshift into different people and she would never know it. So I thought that was foreshadowing for Martian Manhunter. I don't know if that's the way it was intended, but that's how uh, I, in hindsight, uh, uh, pieced that together. So I thought that that was really good. I, I I like that. I like that you can like kind of see his um his lines a couple different ways based on like where they are in the show now and what we know. Because honestly, I will say, and I've said a couple times, like that that twist in season one, like mid season one, I think, is when they reveal that he's actually like Martian Manhunter. I did not see it coming. I thought he was going to end up being a villain. So I was like the red eyes and like, you know, like I was reading into everything because again, he's also called Hank Henshaw. So they were really misdirecting everybody. And then that twist, I remember everybody freaking out about the Martian Manhunter twist and being so excited about it. And I think going back and revisiting, they did such a good job of like, you know, putting some tension into that, putting some mystery there. I don't, you know, it was, it would have been hard to, to figure it out. You could have maybe guessed it, but it would have been hard to call it. It wasn't, it wasn't like incredibly telegraphed or anything. Yeah. And that goes back to the fact that they had a vision in season one. They had a plan. They were going somewhere because uh, I don't think they decided to do Martian Manhunter with David Harewood until after the pilot. So mm. once they had finished the pilot, then they they knew that they wanted to go with Martian Manhunter and they started teasing that out. So it just it's another reflection of how you can tell or I can tell that a show has an idea of what they want to do and where they want to go. I can't say that for some of the following seasons uh, that happened in the series, but <laughs> uh, especially the ones uh, later on in the series towards the end. But in season one, there was definitely uh, a momentum of storylines and character arcs that were going somewhere. Yeah, it feels like there was tighter plotting in season one, even though, ironically, in season one, there are a lot more like villains of the week than some of the later seasons would have. But it felt like the season overall knew where it wanted to start characters and end characters and like major milestones it wanted to hit along the way. And I think you know, early on that Martian Manhunter storyline when when they decided it after the pilot, they they were like, yeah, let's like make it a mystery. Let's tease it. And like, I think that they did a great job with it. Yeah, uh, I think I think they did as well. Um, so Morgan was, uh, were there any other things that you wanted to bring up about the episode that we didn't already talk about? Well, I, I just wanted to read some some feedback about uh, of Lucy Lane. Because I yeah. this, this comment made me laugh. Uh, Mara says, really like Lucy. Excited she's in a cult now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Kenny said, I like the Supergirl TV series Lucy Lane much better than the Superman and Lois Lucy Lane. Uh, so, I mean, again, I need to catch up on Superman and Lois. Um, but I hear some amazing things are happening with Lucy Lane over on that show. <laughs> if, you need, <laughs> if you need to, after you finish Stargirl, just watch season two of uh, Superman and Lois. That, that'll nice. get you to the, the good Lucy Lane stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically a different character for the most part. Um, there's no mention of her DEO. 
uh, time, her time at CatCo. So who knows uh, what version of Lucy Lane that is, but definitely well, it's, different it's not interpretations. It's the same universe anymore, right? No, so no. They don't have to play by our rules. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they're just like, let's take this from the, the Supergirl comics and that from the Supergirl comics and this from the Supergirl TV show. We're not in the same universe, so we can do what we want. It's like, you know what? Respect. Fine. <laughs> you know what? I guess if they want to do it, it's their prerogative to do it. But it does feel a little bit like a slap in the face. But it's their TV show, not mine. Uh, but yeah, so Lucy is, uh, uh, this is her first big uh, episode. Uh, if you had watched this before, Livewire so uh, it's a little bit complicated, but Lucy is uh, <laughs> now kind of being introduced into the series. And there was another line at the beginning of the episode where Supergirl is talking to Alex and the DEO and she's telling Alex about James and Lucy. And she says something about, I wouldn't be surprised if she could fly. And I remember when I watched this episode when it first aired, and I even thought it when I rewatched this because I was mad that we never saw it. But in the comics, in the Sterling Gates run, Lucy Lane becomes Superwoman, and she's a villain, and she mm -hmm. can fly. She's She's got Kryptonian powers in that run, and... um. I think they were probably going to go there. I think that line to me insinuated if, if we ever get to talk to somebody like an Allie Adler, I would be interested to know if they had a plan for Lucy Lane because it seemed like they were building Lucy up to be something more than what she became. Obviously when season one had to go to Vancouver and some of those season one characters got lost in, in translation, in, yeah. lost in translation. But, uh, but I think that line where, where she's like, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if she could fly. I think that was a Superwoman reference. So I, I'm a little I honestly bummed we never surprised. Saw yeah, because uh, if I remember correctly, Allie Adler during season one, when she was doing promotional things for mm -hmm. uh, the Supergirl TV series, she I remember one interview where she had her Sterling Gates's books in the Ooh. shot. So she she talked about Kryptonese and she had Sterling Gates's run. So I have a feeling that she knew about superwoman and it makes me cry on the inside <laughs> yeah daryl says the same i think lucy lane as superwoman was the plan if she had stayed on the show yeah unfortunately when they had to move uh so it's it's so funny that like some of the things were foiled for something as a uh, pedestrian almost as like where people live in production locations <laughs> because that's why we lost cat grant when they moved from los angeles to vancouver a lot of those actors live in Los Angeles. Like that's, that's where they live. That's their home. So like, yeah, sure. I'll do Supergirl. Like, why not? Like, I don't have to move, but going to Vancouver is very different. And that's why Callista Flockhart bowed out. Cause she was like, I don't want to go live in Vancouver for like a good chunk of the year. I want to live at home, which is, you know, you can't falter for that. Um, but I'm, I'm as assuming that the Lucy Lane's actress, Jenna, I can't ever remember her last name. Dewan. Yeah. I, I assume that it was probably a similar situation where she didn't want to go live in Canada and she wasn't really under a, a contract. She was a guest at the time. So she was just like, bye. <laughs> and then we never saw her or Maxwell Lord ever again, <laughs> ever again. They could have, at least, they could have at least brought them back at could the you, end of the show. 
what would have what would have been amazing is if in the finale out of nowhere and with no explanation much like um the gun and the shooting the owl Hell or the later or the lizard people just like, like a kryptonian shooting <laughs> shooting owls just like a kryptonian uh and the, <laughs> and and the randomly appearing and disappearing lizard people that made mm. all of us feel as if we were in a fever dream um what if they had just like <laughs> what, what, if, what if suddenly maxwell lord and lucy lane are just there as if but but there's no explanation and it's as, as if they've always been there and they're like oh <laughs> that was a hard one right lucy and lucy was like just like always cara and then she just turned and stared at the camera and was like <laughs> just fully broke the fourth wall like what what are you gonna do what are you doing to us now uh, i think that would have been amazing i feel like if you're gonna go and have a finale that it was as weird as the finale of all- this show was like go all the way just start randomly bringing back minor characters from season one too many cook style <laughs> <laughs> that would have been incredible uh just following up on the superwoman stuff hegel blast says uh Jenna said in an interview back in the day that the plan was for lucy to eventually become superwoman oh yeah. man we that really sad we really missed out on that because season one really if you read the sterling gates run a lot of the stuff that's in his run on Supergirl pops up in the Supergirl uh, TV show in season one. Bizarro Girl, Reactron, Silver Banshee, um, uh, the Lucy Lane aspect of it. So a lot of it is there in the Sterling Gates run. So it's, it's, it was very clear to me that Allie Adler had done her homework. So I'm just super bummed that we, that we didn't get to ever see that. <laughs> yeah, Daryl makes a good comment in the chat. I, he says, I can understand not seeing an actor because of availability, but they just didn't mention them ever again like they never existed. <laughs> like, I've never seen a show ghost its own characters before <laughs> so thoroughly. It was like they were trying to gaslight the audience into being like, I don't know who you mean, Maxwell Lord? Who's Maxwell Lord? It's like, what? He was just here. <laughs> it was like Mariah Carey. I don't know her. I, I don't know her. And then, putting and the then, sunglasses. And then Supergirl <laughs> <laughs> slowly walks away from you like, oh, <laughs> awkward. Uh, Mara asks in the chat, isn't Lana Superwoman on Superman and Lois in Bizarro Land? Um, so Lana is a super character. She has uh, on Bizarro World. Uh, the Lana Lang there does have some superpowers. What I'm interested in, this is sort of a tangent, but uh, Lana Lang in the comics becomes the character of Superwoman, uh, which is a little bit different from the Lucy Lane uh, version of super, uh, Superwoman. But she 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 has not become Superwoman officially on the show. But if it was my show, that's where I would go with Lana Lang because in the comics, Superwoman, uh, Lana Lang Superwoman ends up romantically uh in a relationship with john henry irons who is steel and you've got to steal on the show and lana lane got divorced on the show spoiler alert i just spoiled superman and lois i saw that coming from the pilot don't worry (laughs) (laughs) so if you have lana lane uh, romantically available and you tease her having superpowers and john henry irons is there with his daughter why wouldn't you have Lana Lang be Superwoman and uh, get together with John Henry Irons? That's just what I would do if I was a showrunner. But who knows what they'll do in season three? <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, 
it was teased, but nothing official for Superman and Lois. And jumping ahead just a second to the end of season one, which spoiler alert, but also, I mean, you've seen it. Uh, but Miss <laughs> Fiction Fanatic says, wasn't Lucy co-head of the DEO at the end of season one? The DEO does not have a good track record with female directors. I can't remember why she comes in though i'm pretty sure that's right though i vaguely remember no that, yeah she it, becomes but... head of, she becomes head of the deo but i can't remember why i think i think we'll get there in our supergirl radio rewind rewatch uh so maybe maybe we'll get there in in our going back in time but yeah that's definitely the case she had I... several jobs she was like a a legal person at CatCo. She was the director of the DEO. She was a major in the military. Yeah. She did all kinds of things. She was, a, one could argue, she was like, I can have it all. And by <laughs> it all, I mean every job <laughs> available. I'm surprised she wasn't like a, like a lunch lady in the CatCo cafeteria also in her spare time. And like maybe like a fighter pilot. I don't know. Like just keep adding jobs on top of it. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I thought, New Rachel. New Rachel says uh, Lucy comes in with Jean is outed as a Martian. That's what I thought, yeah. but I, I wasn't I wasn't sure, so I didn't want to say it. So uh, thank you for confirming that. That was the only thing I could think of. But yeah, so uh, I'm trying to remember what episode that is. I feel I feel like we might towards the get end of the season, that. right? Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, but the order of the episodes is kind of uh, bumbling around in my brain. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but yeah, Lucy Lucy does have a lot of jobs in season one of Supergirl. I had also kind of forgotten like how long they they were dragging out the like the win has a thing for Kara uh, storyline in season one, and I remember really hating it back in the day when I was watching, and I was like, I don't care about these love triangles. I hate these love triangles, and I feel like. I'm just fine with it now. I just don't, don't care. I guess the the show kind of broke my spirit in that way where I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's not great and I don't care about it. I'm not like invested in it as a viewer, but like, it's fine. It's not offensive to me. All right. Because they have that like moment where, you know, he says something about Kara and he's just like looking off wistful into the distance and you're like, oh, when? <laughs> yeah, he says something like, uh, you're you're getting killed when or something like that, and he's like every day, every day, kid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I I thought was really endearing uh, for when I was pulling for when in the in the love triangle, and it's just weird to me that they they tease this love triangle and then they they do address it from Wynn's point of view a little bit, but it's kind of awkward and strange, and uh, it's like why why even put it there in the first place. Yeah, it did. It felt like it was a it was like kind of one of my bigger gripes about season one back when I was watching it is that it felt like they ultimately didn't really do anything with it. And so, like, why? Why did we need it? Like, even rewatching, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't think that we need like two love triangles concurrently. So, yeah. like, there was a like, Carl liking James while Wynn liked Kara, but now Lucy's there. So now it's a love square because now Lucy and James are a thing, but Kara likes James. Does James like Kara? Question mark. And also <laughs> Wynn likes Kara. Does Kara like Wynn? Probably not. 
It's a it's and it's certainly not up to the caliber caliber uh, caliber of say the lost love square. Oh uh, yeah, that I that I mean people hated at the time, but like going back and watching the show, I was like, I don't know, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone in this love square is real hot, and I'm okay. I'm chill with it. <laughs> if you don't know Morgan, I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're referring to the. Uh, Jack, Kate, Juliet, Sawyer. That's love right. Square. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Kate and Jack loved each other, but Kate and Sawyer also at some point maybe loved each other. Definitely got stuck in cages together. Sure. And then <laughs> uh, Jack and Juliet had feelings for each other, but then Juliet and Sawyer, uh, you know, uh, Constance uh, <laughs> together. So yeah, that one. That one was very complicated. But all worked out in the end, I think. It did. All good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that was not up to the, I feel like unless you're going to do, unless you're going to do something that's like as dramatic as the lost one. And even still, like people did not like that lost one. Like maybe, maybe like you want to pare down your romantic drama to like just a couple of characters. Like it doesn't need four, probably. (laughs) Probably probably three is enough. You might want to cap it at three. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like the wind stuff, looking back, it just was a little pointless. Um, Yeah. I I did want to update, uh, since we were talking about it, uh, Hank reveals himself as Martian Manhunter in the episode Falling. Ah. So, So that is... I think we will get there. Is falling? Let's see. Falling is episode sixteen. Yep, the sixteenth episode. So we will be rewatching that. So uh, you'll get that in Supergirl Radio Rewind, which is not easy to say. I don't know why we called it that because it's very difficult to say. Radio Rewind. (laughs) (laughs) The tongue twister. uh, It really is. I have to think about it very, uh, very. extensively before I even open my mouth. Um, okay. So anything else before we wrap up our thoughts on how does she do it? Is there uh, anything we missed? No, I, I do feel like this episode was like kind of trying to imply that like Maxwell Lord was like flirting with Alex. Uh, oh yes. And Alex, <laughs> and Alex was like, I don't, I don't know guy. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I forgot that they were kind of that they in season one, there was kind of, like an implied like a flirtation between the two of them. And it's like, is it a flirtation or does she just really not like him? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought that that was, I thought that that, that those two actors had really good chemistry. So I did like them in those scenes together. I feel like they, they had, there was like a real tension there of like them not seeing eye to eye or not agreeing, but having that kind of like, um, almost understanding of each other that like these are two like incredibly driven people um and kind of like a touche sort of vibe uh in their scenes and i really like that i i it is a it is a shame that they didn't keep maxwell lord around a little bit longer because he was a pretty fun villain yeah i i almost want to see what the show would have been like if they had tried the alex maxwell lord uh, romance because there is something interesting about how he hates the government, doesn't want the government solving his problems, and Alex 
is the government essentially. Um, and then uh, Alex having a, a romantic relationship with him would have caused problems with her sister probably. So there actually would have been a lot of like good juicy drama that would have come out of that. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. There's, there's uh, an element to that, that I wish we could have seen that play out, but they obviously went in a, a, a much different direction uh, with Alex, but, uh, but there's, uh, there's, uh, I don't want to say, I, I keep struggling because I want to say there's part of me, um, but there's <laughs> all of me, um, all of me w- wishes on some level that, that I could have seen that play out and seen, and seen what kind of, uh, you know, uh, tension that would have brought with all the characters involved. I feel like it would have, like, in season two, when she's dating Maggie, she would have been like, yeah, my ex is kind of like a billionaire evil person. <laughs> Listen, we all make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that could have that could have been really interesting. I think it would have been kind of weird. But I do like I did like those actors together in scenes. And I think having more of like the Alex and and Maxwell Lord's sparring scenes, I would have enjoyed like going forward. Uh, but then, you know, the show just dropped him off of the face of the earth and we never really heard from him again. I'm sure he's doing great. <laughs> I'm sure he's doing great. Uh, Hickel Blast in the chat uh, reminds me that in the finale, when Marriott is about to destroy humanity, Max and Alex are holding hands. I'd forgotten about that. That's oh, a good call. I forgot about that entirely. So they, again, there was a plan. It seemed like they were going somewhere. And then I guess they uh, reworked some things in season two uh, very clearly. But but it seemed like they were trying to do something uh, there, even at the end of the season. Well, I only wanted to mention uh, one more thing. Well, two two more things that I I noticed kind of in my rewatch because I have notes for all of these episodes uh, that I, I initially made, so I don't have to really go back and write all of my notes. But I've been trying to track uh, the way I see the episode uh, upon rewatch, and I really liked the opening of the episode where Supergirl's flying around the city. And she says, there was a time when I felt like a shadow of a person and I didn't really put it together. It seems so obvious, but I didn't put it together until I rewatched it for this episode of Supergirl radio, where she's talking about feeling like a shadow of a person. And while she's flying around the city, there are shadows of her on the buildings. And I thought, you know, that's probably a little on the nose, but I thought it was a nice touch uh, to, to do that. It was very subtle. So I really liked that. And then also I noticed, um, that her flight Supergirl's flight looked a little different in uh, this episode. It almost looked like there were little puffs of smoke uh, when she was flying and it, it doesn't really, I don't know. I'm trying to think in later seasons what that looks like, but it seemed different to me for some reason. Um, So that did seem to be something that's stuck out to me when I was looking at her flight. Uh, But this is a really good episode for Supergirl powers uh yeah she, uh, when she's going through those tests and she um has to save the building with her strength and use her heat vision to uh, fix the building and then she flies up and then uses her super breath to put out the fire it's just really good the the digital supergirl that they make to put in those shots you can tell that <laughs> they spent some money on that because it looks really good um so even though some of it looks dated some of that some of that uh cgi i think still holds up yeah, I agree. I thought like the CGI for the most part um 
looks pretty good. And and honestly, I've I've watched some stuff recently that looks worse than this. Um, so you know what they when they had that CBS money, they were spending it well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so lots of good Supergirl action, which I appreciate in this episode because in I hate to keep referencing the later seasons, but in later seasons. We didn't get to see as much Supergirl action like that. Um, so I'm trying to really relish getting to see that in season one because the, the show focused on Kara and got to show her at her Supergirl best, which is very exciting for me. All right. Well, uh, we do have some feedback for this episode. Daryl wrote in uh, to say this about the episode. He says, uh, quote, the episode introduced a question even years later they've never bothered to answer. How does Supergirl's outfit fit under her Kara clothes? Also, <laughs> Kara should have to show ID when picking Carter up. We all know it's her, but really it could have been anyone. How do Kara and uh, Kara and Carter get back to Catco? Yeah, the 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 security at that school was pretty lax for it being a rich people school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think that uh, she would have to identify herself on some level. Maybe we just didn't see that. Maybe we just, uh, uh, you know, kind of glossed I, over that when she was there. I also laughed at, like, the uh, idea, like, Kat thinks that she's picking uh, Carter up in a car, and then she just comes walking up, like, no car. And then she's like, like I, I just imagine Carter being like, wait, we have to we have to walk back to the office? <laughs> all, the way, all the way back to the office? <laughs> yeah, how do they get back there? That is the question. Hopefully, Carr knows something about mass transit. And well, bus, I was about to say, I, th- I feel like Carter, we've established Carter's really good at like the subway system in National City. That's how he got to the his train. So... <laughs> Carter's really teaching Carr, I think. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Uh, Daryl goes on to say, quote, I know the first season was filmed in California, but they really should have given Supergirl pants back then, seeing as how she hovered over the crowd after saving the building. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, She definitely uh, was there over the crowd. Uh, Daryl also says they're always having Kara slip up in what she says. And I hardly think it's fair since I doubt Clark has the same problem, unquote. You know, I think Clark probably does slip up a little bit uh, sometimes when he's speaking. He's usually pretty confident as Superman, confident with his uh, relationship with Lois. But I'm sure on the Daily Planet and even uh, some of the Tyler Hecklin stuff the the way he's portrayed uh, especially on the supergirl tv series i imagine he's a clark who bumbles around a little bit so i don't think it's just a cara thing although i don't mind that cara slips up when she's speaking i like it sometimes when she's kind of unsure of herself <laughs> as cara and, and maybe and says the, and the wrong at, thing she's really new at this too like this yeah. is episode what like five um, and she only be- really becomes Supergirl in episode one. So, like, she's really new to the whole Supergirling thing. So, yeah, she's going to slip up from time to time and be like, oh, yeah, when I was flying on a <laughs> yeah. plane. But, but I went to school because I got to learn about this planet. I mean, the place where I also am from. <laughs> that uh, was the best. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. I think that's actually a, a really nice quality for Kara to have because it shows that she's not perfect. Maybe as Supergirl, she does all these fantastic things, but she's not <laughs> a perfect being. <laughs> uh, Daryl goes on to say, quote, the episode would have been much better if it didn't make us sit through scenes with a former former couple that's doomed from the start does anyone else think the show didn't quite know what to do with lucy aside from her relationship drama with james she had no less than three jobs on the show 
And then Daryl ends the email with, how does James, as CatCo's newest employee, get left in charge? It never made sense, unquote. Uh, my guess to that is just uh, Cat knew James from way back when at the Daily Planet, and she could trust him uh, to do those uh, jobs when maybe she couldn't trust someone else. My only question about the nitty-gritty of CatCo is, aren't there managers for things, don't they have a higher up, like a an like an executive, um, yeah, uh, like organization? Where is their, like their like executive team. Why is like why is James doing anything for digital? Why is James allowed to touch anything in digital? <laughs> he is a photojournalist at this point. Like, why why is he like? All right, well, I gotta go whip those marketing people into shape. It's like, do you? Why, James? <laughs> where where are their mar their managers like the why is this company falling apart because uh because cat grant is gone for like an afternoon <laughs> <laughs> she needs to stop she needs to stop micromanaging that company and like start hiring some like yeah she middle manager <laughs> she needs to delegate uh some of those jobs she doesn't need, need to be no wonder she can't have it all because cat's just doing all the jobs seriously stop, <laughs> stop doing so much work um okay well i think that's gonna end it for our uh discussion of the episode but i think before we get out of here i think we should make some snap, snap judgments. judgments in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one first instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary okay our first snap judgment is Play, would you rather play video games with Win or have an epic Nerf gun battle with Kara? That's a tough one because yeah, I would, I, I would like to hang out with Kara, but Win seemed to have a lot of like, you know, I hate to say this, but junk food and, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of um, almost like tailgate food while they were playing games. And that seemed like really fun and chill and, uh, they were doing it on the big, uh, big wall o monitors and Cat's office, which would probably have actually been difficult. I don't know that that would have been easy. Yeah, the way that the the see. like the the video was like segmented through across all of those monitors, I feel like would give me a headache eventually. <laughs> like just trying to look at everything. I like the. Uh, uh, pigging out with the video game situation with Wen, but also I probably should pick the Nerf gun battle with Kara because A, I get to hang out with Kara, and then B, I'd probably have to run around, which would give me some exercise. So I, I yeah, <laughs> get your steps so, in. So I probably shouldn't pick the junk food, even though that probably would be uh, more fun. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably pick the Nerf gun battle with Kara. Yeah, I think I do the Nerf gun battle with Kara only because Wynn looks like he's somebody who's like really good at video games. Uh, and I'm not really good at <laughs> video games. Uh, I've been told I'm mildly bad at them. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I feel like I would just be continually losing um, to win. And that's no fun, even if there were snacks involved. So I'd rather go with Kara, who like, yeah, I'm definitely going to lose to because she is Supergirl. But there there might be some like the, some fun action packed uh, shenanigans in between. There's some bonding, I think. Yeah, I mean, Kara could really cheat if she wanted to. <laughs> she could uh, use her x-ray vision to find where you're hiding. 
she could super speed and uh, kind of knock you out before you can get to her. Yeah, it would probably you would have to set some rules, I think, if you were going to have a nerf gun <laughs> battle with Gar. Okay. Uh, would you rather have to temporarily run digital marketing <laughs> or deal with CatCo's live cameras? I would rather uh, have to monitor the live cameras. I don't know what CatCo's news uh, uh, section of the company looks like, but I think I would probably be able to... Uh, to jump in there if I had to on a last minute uh, covering for Kat. Yeah, it just, it's wild that they like made James do all this stuff. Like, oh, I have to look at the live cameras and I have to run this, this thing down and I have to answer this thing from digital marketing. It's like, aren't there managers for all of these things? Like, why is he doing it? Cat delegate. Uh, with that said, I feel like I would have like big, uh, big ideas for the digital marketing <laughs> uh, department. She would come back and I would have taken that over. Um, and she would be like, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to do any of this. And I would be like, hey, queen for the day, right? And she's like, that is not the title I gave you. And so... <laughs> So that's how I would be briefly hired and briefly fired from Catco. <laughs> Morgan would be like, who's the queen of all media now? I'd be like, guess what? Digital, digital department, you're mine. <laughs> it's also kind of what I do like in my day to day. So it's like, wouldn't be that exciting to do it for Catco, but also I could do it. Right? <laughs> Maybe she comes back and she's like, Morgan, you're doing such a great job. You know what? You're right. I do need a manager for that. It's weird that I'm doing it myself. But I know. That's what I've been saying. And suddenly, your girl's a manager <laughs> marketing at Gecko. Have you ever seen uh, the, the classic comedy movie 9 to 5? Yeah, it's been a long time. That that's what I'm imagining with you cuz in that in that movie they kidnap their boss. Um <laughs> and while he's kidnapped and kind of uh uh, stowed away in a house. Uh, the three ladies like take over, make all these changes in the office, and make like everything better. Like everything is better in the office while this terrible boss is tied up. <laughs> uh, so I imagine that that you're like the nine to five ladies, like coming in, changing everything, making new rules, and everyone is happier in the office because. Exactly. That's exactly what it would be like. I would be like the Dolly Parton in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you would be more like the Lily Tomlin. That's probably the, true. That's probably the Lily, true. The, the Lily Tomlin in nine to five, she's the one who like implements all the policies <laughs> and she, she has all the ideas and she never gets credit for them. So I think you would definitely be the Lily Tomlin there. So uh, I'm excited about this new direction for CatCo. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think it's the right way to go. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio Rewind. And uh, so at this point, I think we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV Podcast Plus. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify. 
Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Black Lightning Podcast, Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you, Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Star Girl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite of the bunch, DC TV After Dark, where you're allowed to say and since this episode featured Cat Grant's son, we have Cat Grant designs in the DC TV podcast T Public store that we'd like to suggest. Yeah, we have some Catco Worldwide Media designs and a Keep Calm and Chop Chop, which is Cat uh, Grant's uh, catchphrase, uh, uh, Chop Chop. So you'll, if you'll remember that from when Cat Grant was on the show and uh, you would like some stuff to uh, show your support of Catco, the, uh, the worldwide media company that we don't fully understand. I actually have a worldwide uh, Catco Worldwide Ooh, Media shirt. Nice. So, uh, so if you like Cat Grant, which you should, I think, uh, we have some uh, designs, uh, for Cat Co. in the DC TV podcast, T Public Store, uh, T Public Store, if you would like to check those out. Well, we would also like to remind everyone that we are currently running a new DC TV podcast plug, uh, contest because we need new plugs. They're very out of date. Uh, are the ones we're using are wonderful, uh, but there are shows that have been canceled, shows that are being added. Uh, so we need to get some new plugs. So here is uh, some information on how to enter that contest. Supergirl Radio needs new DC TV podcast plugs, which means that we are holding another plugs contest. And we invite you to submit your recordings of how you would promote the DC TV podcast on Supergirl Radio. We want you to do that so that <laughs> I do not have to do that. It's very important that you do it so I don't have to. You can be, <laughs> you can be as creative as you want to be, uh, but we do have one requirement, and that's that you need to make sure you mention all of our podcasts in the DC TV podcast network. And in case maybe you have forgotten what those are, I will list them like so. That's <laughs> Supergirl Radio. That's the one that you're listening to right now. Uh, the Flash Podcast. Legends of Tomorrow Podcast. I hear that one's really great. It's pretty, uh, good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, the Lituation <laughs> Room. DC on HBO Max Podcast, which maybe one day will be sponsored by HBO Max. <laughs> HBO Max, where I like to watch stuff uh <laughs> <laughs> the star girl podcast superman and lois radio they're not in the arrowverse but we're still allowing them to be on the network 
what 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 a ring that that probably threw them forward they're like excuse me we're not in the Arrowverse. <laughs> uh green lantern podcast the sandman podcast justice league dark podcast and dc tv ather dark i hear that one's pretty good too that one's fine that one's that one's fine <laughs> That one, I think, is still being workshopped. Uh, <laughs> so how do you get on uh, Supergirl Radio? What you do is you email an MP3, a wave, or an M4A yep. to supergirlradio at gmail.com by our contest deadline, which is September 30th. We will choose the winner, and the winner will receive a prize in the mail. Uh, which will consist of Superman Family Adventures, a volume one, DC Super Pets, Super Powered Pony, which is a story about Comet the Super Horse, and maybe also an additional surprise. We, we might sneak something we that you didn't might, expect we in there. just might. And if you would like to uh, support us on our Supergirl Radio Patreon and become a legion of super sponsor, you can do that by visiting uh, patreon.com slash supergirlradio. We have four monthly levels for you to choose from. And we would like to thank our current Patreon supporters, Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, Ethan, and Danny. And uh, we thank you all for your support. And if you would like to follow me on uh, Instagram, you can do that at the Derby Kid. I'm also on a social media platform called Vero. If you would like to follow me over there, I'm at Derby Kid. Vero really is uh, the best social media platform. It's it's actually pretty quiet over there. You just get to share <laughs> things you like, and other people sometimes will like your stuff, and you get to see pretty pictures, and you get to see what everybody else is watching and get re recommendations for movies and TV shows, and it's just a great place. It, it's, it's, it's almost like going to a social media platform that doesn't have any noise. Like, you go to Twitter and now Instagram, and everything is just noise. Vero so good. Uh, highly recommend you check out Vera if you haven't. I'm at Derby Kid over there. I'm also on a personal YouTube channel of mine at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. Uh, getting back to my Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern live stream of reading Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews from the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. And these are reviews that were negative. So I'm going through them and f trying to figure out why they were negative and um, it's it's a slow descent into madness for me. So if you're interested in watching that uh, <laughs> to, to follow that journey, uh, feel free to join me uh, at youtube.com slash duckmeltprod Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's a it's an exercise in art criticism and of trying to uh, read someone's opinion. I disagree with without getting worked up over it. And it is a. It is a practice that I'm still having to practice. So <laughs> if you want to hang out with me, feel free to do that. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic, and you can also uh, find me on DCTV After Dark, and you can find me on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which actually this week we are recording our DC, a state of the DC, you know, TV, you know, DC universe, uh, DCEU, kind of like 
everything that's going on with the with the CW and the WB and all of that good fun, not confusing at all stuff. I'm a business major now, and I uh, and I specialize in tax write offs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you have feelings about all of the crazy stuff that's been going on uh, with the CW and you know the demise of our poor legends, but also you know all the stuff going on with WB and shelving completely almost nearly finished movies and things like that disappearing stuff off of uh our, our good friend hbo max uh feel free to send an email before thursday uh evening to uh our email address which is something uh <laughs> <laughs> which is the legends podcast at gmail.com and uh i'm yeah i'm sure we'll be reading some feedback if people send stuff in but we're gonna have a very informal chat about like what's going on uh so that should be fun because honestly the news just kept piling on top of each other and we were like i guess we should do something about this I don't know. I'm I'm actually uh, interested in the moves that these new people with Warner Brothers Discovery are making. Because uh, when I saw that they got rid of reliable sources on CNN, I was like, "Okay, now now we're getting somewhere." Nobody watched also- it. Nobody watched that show, and it never made any money. There's no reason to keep it around. I was like, "Okay, now we're making Rebecca Johnson like moves." I approve of this. But they also like disappeared like 200 episodes of Sesame Street off of HBO Max. Like, I think weird things are happening. Hmm. It does feel like they are like almost purposely trying to tank HBO Max, or just like just taking a bunch of stuff off of the platform. Some people from. Cartoon Network complained about like shows that just completely disappeared off of the HBO Max platform that used to be on there that aren't available anywhere else. So like those people who worked really hard on those shows, like just don't have a show to point to anymore to tell people that like, hey, I worked on that or like, hey, kids, this is my show. It's just kind of gone into the ether, which I think is an important point that uh, now I'm going to start winning some arguments with my husband because he doesn't believe in physical media. And yet, (laughs) yes, this is why you got to buy those Sesame Street Blu-rays. There you go. Listen, (laughs) listen, if they ever disappear Buffy off of streaming, uh, I have DVDs from the early 2000s that (laughs) unfold like this. (laughs) <laughs> and I have every episode. I'm ready. I'm ready it's for this like, like post-apocalyptic uh, situation where I have to continue unfolding the DVDs. <laughs> why did why did they package them like I that? don't know? I don't they never know. worked. The DVDs would then come unglued, they unmoored, <laughs> unmoored from their from the from the the case, and then they would just kind of shimmy around, and then so you'd be watching them, and then it would just like it would just like freeze up, and you'd be like, oh no! Then you take the DVD out and you gently blow on it. Listen, <laughs> a whole new generation is about to find out that experience <laughs> because they keep disappearing things that people like. So uh, if you love it and you can't imagine not ever watching it again buy it on physical media. That is my uh, PSA for the day. Yeah, I don't trust streaming and physical media, much better quality. Um, okay. And I, I hope that instead of taking things off Cartoon Network, because I used to work at Turner, so I worked on all the Cartoon Network uh, stuff. There were a, a lot of good shows on Cartoon Network. Not everyone was a winner. Uh, but also, 
if if anything has to go off HBO Max, it should be the Adult Swim content. Uh, <laughs> some of that was not good at all. If you want to see what I mean, go try to watch an episode of Mr. Pickles. Um, I'm what just that? it's. <laughs> If I had to explain it, it was a series about a demon dog. A dog that was a demon. I refused to work on it when I I was like, can someone else do this episode of Mr. Pickles? I feel like it is uh, dirty on my soul. Can someone else? I I hate this show. Please help me. Can someone else who is not bothered by this, could you please work on this? It was... It was borderline satanic. I could not watch. Like I physically would get ill watching it. So <laughs> watching um, Mr. Pickles. I just, I just like that the name uh, just justified with like how much you hate it. It's like <laughs> Rebecca, Rebecca's most hated thing. Oh, really? What's that, Mr. Pickles? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the whole point. Is like Mr. Pickles was just supposed to be a, a the neighborhood friendly dog, but really he would go underground and he was satanic and was did demon stuff. And I was like nope this is nope i can't watch this this is not a thing like i I need a break from this i need a break from from mr pickle the mr pickles of it all (laughs) so if any show has to go from hbo max get rid of mr pickles uh if you need help with the uh consultation of what needs to go what needs to stay i'm happy to offer my free services from my my 14 years of working on that content. All right. Well, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, hang out with, uh, the legends of tomorrow podcast to get more on those happenings as, uh, we progress in this new world of Warner brothers discovery and, uh, seeing what happens to all of our DC stuff. But, uh, until you do that, that this is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon, and thanks for joining us for Supergirl Radio Rewind. McGurk! I Do love not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. 